This is Immigration Consciousness. This is Immigration Consciousness, and I'm excited this morning to be here with Andrea Paola Loya. She was born in Mexico City, and her parents made a couple trips uh, to the U.S. on work visas. And in 2002, her brother was born here in Aurora, Colorado. And her dad worked here in the United States, hoping to make enough money to start a business back in Mexico. So they moved back and forth and until they permanently resided here in the U.S. in 2005. And living in the U.S. without paperwork got to be more and more complicated as she grew up. And she says if it wasn't for the U visas, she didn't know if her family and her would still be here. So welcome, Andrea. I'm excited to have you on here. Uh, how are you today? Hi, good morning. Oh, I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. Great. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, your life in Mexico? Um, you know, I, at this point, I have lived here most of my life, um, but the first time that I, my family and I immigrated here, we, I was three, and we left um, sooner than what my parents were had originally planned because my grandfather was passing away, um, so I don't remember too much of that. I was three at the time, and then after that... Um, we lived for a little bit in Mexico, and at that point, I was already going to school. So um, I did kindergarten over there, and then when we came here, um, because of the way that they cut up ages, I did kindergarten over um, in the U.S. as well. And then my little brother was born, um, and then we went back again. And at that point, I went to school in um, first and second grade um, in Mexico. So, you know, school is really different. They make you carry all seven of your books all the time. Um, it was it was very, for a while, I just missed it a lot because it was home. Like I had a lot of family over there. Um, my grandma was still alive at that time. Um, I was surrounded by all of my cousins, so in that sense, it was a lot easier because you just had a greater support system. Um, but even at the age, I feel like of eight, nine, um, I knew that like money was an issue for my family. And I understood that that's why they, you know, they made so many trips back and forth. And at this time, they also had work visas. Sorry, not work visas. They just had traveler's visas. So that's why um, we were able to come in and out. Um, and I, at that point, it was actually harder because my dad had then decided that he was, he was going to be the only one making the trip. So now we were, my brother, my mom and I, we were going to stay here in Mexico and he was going to go and work and then send money back. And, you know, we were going to be apart. So. I remember that being hard because we would just get a phone call a night and it was my dad. Um, and then I think he did that for about a year and he didn't want to do that anymore because we were growing and my little brother must have been like maybe two at the time, three at the time. So he didn't want to miss all that. And um, 
he said you know you guys can come and we'll be here for a little bit so originally back in 2005 their plan was still just to be here in the u.s for you know a couple years a few years and work and then make enough money to where they can go back so in that time before that they um they did have a business they had like a almost like a fast food business um for a little bit in mexico and it just it didn't work out um the way that they would hope or it didn't actually just make enough money the way that they would hope so that's when my dad had decided to come on um to the u.s on his own so um i remember now at this point my parents you know they had been here in the u.s kind of staying longer than they should have um on traveler's visas so and they had my little brother who now is a u.s citizen so they were actually a little scared to cross again and you know like it was weird so they had my grandma bring my brother um and then my mom and i flew to the border and then at the border we ended up taking um a bus so what was that experience like just coming across the border um i at that point i was nervous and just being my mom and i it was scary um mm -hmm. because we had the bags to worry about um i don't i don't think my mom necessarily knew exactly where she was going the whole time so it was just scary to try to like be at that spot and figure out where to go what we're doing and then it took a couple of days till mm -hmm. from the border to colorado so it was it was nerve-wracking to like not really know where we were going because at this point I didn't remember too much of Colorado or like the life here because I was at that period I was growing up. How old were you about that time? I was um, eight. I was going to eight. be nine. Okay so yeah you were you were overwhelmed by a lot of things because you were so young it seems like. Yeah I was <laughs> I was really young and it was crazy for me because this was the third move for us and this was another school that I had to go to and I knew that I was going to be in a place where I didn't know the language I had vaguely learned it when I was um, here before the other couple times but at this point you know Spanish was my first language I had friends over there um, my parents you know they were had been separated my um my grandma who you know was our greatest support system at the time um she was not going to be here all the time she was just going to bring my brother so it was a lot it was going to be a lot of changes wow so you mentioned the money being an issue what were the other issues like being in mexico you know just trying to stay on that just a little bit, but uh, yeah, what what was what other things were difficult about being in Mexico besides the money? You know, not being able to make enough money that made your dad and your family decide they wanted to come here. Were there any other things, or really was money the main issue? Um, you know, there was there was some crime at the time, not as bad as it's today, um, 
but that was also a driving factor and more than anything i think my parents aside from money um what they wanted was to give my brother and i opportunity so you don't have necessarily um the same opportunities you know the same access to school same access that you know now i thankfully have for jobs all that stuff that you don't you don't have it um you're pretty much you're either going to be born with it over there or it's almost impossible to really reach something other than what your family has been doing their entire lives so they wanted to give yeah so they wanted to really just give my brother and I opportunity to do something other than what they had I shouldn't say I understand I I should say cuz I haven't been through that but I know I was married to a Mexican lady and so I saw the struggles of some Mexican families and trying to come across and what they went through so what were you mentioned the support system down in Mexico um what else you know did you really like about being in Mexico what was the things that you really enjoyed you know i actually when i remember it i think that it was it was beautiful just like everyday life you know i think that that's if there was ever a thing where i had to say that the us had a downside is the part where you know you wake up you go to work and there's this routine life that you have here almost um and at least for us sometimes that's how the way it is but over there you just you know you are surrounded by a lot of people there's so much culture there's so much like beautiful places that you can see um the food <laughs> i was just going to say the food i i think that the one thing that i miss the most is is um ice cream place that used to be by the market and the neveria yeah that place was so good and mm-hmm. i think growing up it was um you know i got picked up from school and my grandma would take me with her to the market and we would go through the market and the mercado has all these like fresh fruit stands and they sell you like lime and chili on them and mm-hmm. just i think that that's what i miss the most i can understand that i would go down to mexico just to eat the street tacos i would take a <laughs> one day trip just to go eat street tacos that's how good they are they are so, good <laughs> <laughs> yes they're delicioso sabrosos anyway <laughs> so now Did you have to receive asylum or you were able to come here you said on work visas, right? Or well you were a child so your parents came here on work visas. Um no, they came on travelers visas. Travelers visas. Stayed. Yeah. Okay. They, they overstayed essentially. And then um once we I think it's a 6 month period that they give you as a like a permit to be here on a travelers visa like continuously. you either have to get out and then come back and kind of get that again because the visa itself they give it to you for 10 years um or at least that's how long my parents had it and um so that technically at some point even without the other paper that they get at the border you know they could still like try to figure something out um but at that point once the 6 month permit expires you're breaking the law or so right <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. 
So you're undocumented. Yeah. Undocumented yeah. is at the proper point, word. Yeah, at that point we were um, undocumented. Well, I, I was a minor, but my parents right. were. Yeah. So, um, how did you get connected then with? And I, I guess I'll come back to that question. Um, so since you've been here, you said you're working as a a nurse, right? You said. Um, no, I'm at Children's Hospital, but I'm children's a health navigator. Health navigator, okay. And uh, so, tell us a little bit about about your, you know, what you've been doing here, and what are some things you kind of already mentioned that you really like the opportunities here that you maybe didn't have in Mexico. Um, just tell us a little bit more about your life here, and and the, maybe the good and the bad here. You know, and you've kind of already talked about it, but just to kind of give us a little contrast. Um, so, yeah, so um, I would, first I'd like to say that, that there's now opportunity for me because I have, you know, a permanent card, um, but I didn't always feel this way, um, especially growing up. And I don't remember if you may already know this, but part where you know I was so hopeful to get a um, volunteer spot at Children's actually back when I was 15 or I think it was 16 and um, you know I got pulled over to the side and I had my Mexican passport as my ID and you know they were like hey like they pulled me aside to the other room and said you have a social and at that point I did not have a social so that was not going to be an opportunity for me. Um, so that's that was a huge difference. And now um, I actually didn't have status when I graduated high school. So I didn't have, um, at that point we had permits, we had work permits, but I didn't have a, you know, a resident card. So um, school and scholarships and that kind of stuff does um, get impacted. So I was not eligible for any scholarships or anything like that um, that were from other universities, really. So I took this program when I was in high school that paid for a year of my um, associate's degree. And at that point, I had already taken a year while I was in high school. So um, I got my associates paid for, and that has helped a lot. It has opened a lot of doors. So. Um, I started working for a cell phone company right off of high school, gained some customer service experience, and then I applied at a um, community health clinic. And then at that point, that's where I started working in healthcare. So I really liked it. And um, for a year, I was paying um, myself through college, through my bachelor's. And it was really hard. So I took a year off of that, but I was still working full time. And then, um, you know, different, different doors have opened since I, you know, with more experience. And once I got my associate's degree and stuff, I, you know, I was working at St. Joe's downtown, um, working inpatient, helping people with like Medicaid applications. And then, um, recently this year at the beginning of this year is when I got a job with children's so it's um it's crazy how many doors you actually have access to and can even reach once you 
are, um, you know, legal. Have a status. <laughs> yeah, have a status. once you have that status, um, you actually have opportunities. Otherwise, it's it's really hard. Um, oh yeah. And it's been it's been really fulfilling. I think for my parents more than anything mm -hmm. to watch the fact that you know like um like for example one of my cousins on my dad's side she did not finish like um high school in mexico she you know she dropped out she has been struggling since um her and her now husband just like are trying to figure out like almost like my parents like what business if they put up what business will work for them like will they sell fast food will they sell clothes what will they really do and they're trying to figure out which one is going to make enough money for them um and i think it's fulfilling to see my parent like for my parents to see that you know they accomplished that much that's that's great so if you remember how much how much, just to, just to kind of give a comparison, how much can somebody make, say, working at a fast food place in Mexico, as opposed to a fast food place here, just to kind of give people an idea of the difference? You know, I um, think. Yeah. Here so, it's like, what, $8 an hour now or something, maybe 12, I don't know. I, I guess 12 I don't or 13. Know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly the it? amount. Yeah. Um, but. Essentially, what it comes down to is people can work a whole week, like six days out of the week in Mexico, and make what one person here in the U.S. makes in a day, or That's maybe great. in like six hours. So we talk about this all the time, like with my parents and stuff, because um, one of my uncles, he, you know, that's exactly what he was doing. He was working, I think... Um, for Sabritas at some point and um, he was making really good money there and then he quit that job to go do something else and now he's making what essentially a person here makes in a day like his fat salary pretty much gets him nowhere I think that's important that people listening will understand that so, well, tell us a little bit about your connection with Casa de Paz and with Sarah Jackson and how that relationship came about and what you're doing with that now. Um, so I met Sarah eight years ago now, and that's crazy to say, um, but yeah, so I was only 16 at the time and really you know we had never i've never heard of casa de paz i actually i actually ended up meeting sarah because my high school friends and i we loved volleyball and we were like addicted to trying to play somewhere so there was this league that just came on the radio that was brand new and we're like oh like whatever so we went to go watch, I guess. I don't even remember exactly, but we weren't playing that night. So I think we were going to see how good the, this league was. So we ended up 
watching and then it was actually their last game of the season that was the first season of um volleyball international um which was volleyball latino at the time and we were like yeah we're gonna play so you know we showed up and like a couple weeks later once the new league started and i mean we completely sucked really bad i mean it was i don't think we ever won like the first season um but we they did this really interesting thing that was the first time that you know i really kind of started understanding the greater purpose for this league and they got together at the end of a you know the night and they prayed um you know obviously they, they were like you know if you don't pray that's totally fine but if you want to join you know this is what we do we just want to give thanks um for the fact that you know there's this league we're going to be able to keep casa de paz open and later during the season they brought in one of the guests that had stayed there who was in a wheelchair jose and he you know he shared a little bit about himself he shared a little, he had been detained for i believe it was a couple years and he actually when he lost movement of his legs in detention um so i guess i had always i had always known that there was this detention center there because i had an uncle that went there one time um but i didn't but he got out i mean you know thankfully we had enough people in our family that could bring money forward and take him out but there was a lot of people that didn't have that and so i guess i didn't understand that I, what i believed at that time was that when people were detained at the border they were taken back you know you're like all right you're going back to mexico um because that's the closest border and that's when i understood that that was not the case um so you know i connected with sarah and she was the one who first ever took me to casa de paz so you know i went with her and she showed me the casa and then she introduced me to a couple women that were staying in that night and that's how i got started i think that that was um one of the biggest callings that i ever felt like i had because i feel like i really connected with these people not necessarily in their stories or the way that you know the really really hard things that they had to go through in their country because i think thankfully you know i can have the good memories of my life in mexico you know like being with my grandma and that stuff but really people have hard had really hard journeys and like as teens as adults i came here so young that thankfully that was not the case for me and there are really really hard things happening in other countries so it was it was awesome and i don't think that i ever wanted to stop at that point um and so we kept i kept going and i kept helping sarah a lot of a lot of what i did sometimes was just um help her translate um and so 
and when she felt embarrassed, uh, she did not want to do certain Spanish interviews. She pushed me to do them. So that's kind of how I started doing them with her. And then through the years, just um, volunteering, being there, taking people to the airport, taking people to the bus station. Um, I've met so many different people from different walks of life through CASA. So it's been awesome. Um, and then, you know, more recently, I helped her with the women who had their kids taken away at the border, um, translated a couple of those stories for her, and um, really just anything Sarah needs, I will pretty much do. <laughs> You're kind of her second, your, your right hand woman <laughs> I say right hand man or whatever right hand woman right hand person yes. yeah sometimes sometimes <laughs> yeah anything she she wants i will do it's <laughs> great well and anyone else that would like to get involved with casa you know they do have the training program if you want to take people to the airport if you want to escort them to their court sessions or there's many different opportunities at casa so yeah yeah, if um, I know that that's one of the things that like a lot of people feel intimidated by, you know, trying to figure out all these flights home for people that can be, you know, crazy, depending, like, I think we had 15 guests one night. And so trying to arrange 15 tickets, wow. that was interesting. Um, so, but there's plenty of things to do, like a lot of, I think one of the cool things is you pretty much can be accommodated for anything. like. People can bring meals or they can bring fresh fruit or you can go and just clean um, the rooms where guests stay or you can do laundry um, or come organize the, you know, the, the garage because that can get messy so fast when you have 15 people. So yeah, really anything, um, anything that people are really willing to give. Um, whether it's food or it's their time, then um, that's helpful. And um, a lot of people, they just play. They pay their fee every seven weeks and they just play. And that's also a contribution. Oh, that's nice. Well, I, uh, I'm so fascinated by your story and, and you're one of thousands that have probably had this a similar story coming from Mexico and other countries. So it's uh, it's important that we share these stories, um, I believe, to the public to educate them on what people are going through in other countries and why they're coming here. Because a lot of times you hear people say, well, they're coming and taking our jobs and all this, but people don't realize what people in other countries go through. You know, I, I think about what I would do as an individual if my family was in your situation. I'm sure most people would probably have done the same thing to try to, I guess, make a better life for themselves and their family. Yeah, you know, I think that the, that's such a, when I heard about your podcast, I just think it's such a important piece of work, you know. So first of all, thank you. Um, You're welcome. And thank you for recognizing that because I think, actually took me a while to really understand not not only the big part of like being there for somebody who's just released 
but also the bigger part of understanding why their story is so important um you know it's not just because i can relate to it myself but i heard this from one of my um co-workers a long time ago but she said you know sometimes i really like to sit in tables where there's a lot of people from the opposing side because they've never met somebody like me and I want them to meet somebody like me so that they can understand what somebody like me can really mean. Like, yes, I'm an immigrant, you know? Yes, I was not born here. And I'm not bad. Like, there's absolutely that if I didn't actually tell you that sometimes. So I think that that's important. It's important to share people's stories so that other people who have no idea what it's like can understand you know like my my parents are hardworking people and they they're great and it's not just because they're my parents you know but they try to do right so well i am so grateful for you being on here and i i would love to hear more stories and uh maybe i'll get to meet you someday in person <laughs> and <laughs> we can actually talk more about about what you're doing and uh I really appreciate you being on here and just giving a little bit about, you know, how you came here as an immigrant and uh, how you're working to make a better life here in the U.S. and and making other people's lives better by working with Casa de Paz and 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 sharing your story and helping them to take a step forward, so to speak. So, <laughs> thank you so much, and I really really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope to meet you someday. Thank you. Absolutely. This is Immigration Consciousness.